At 15 seconds, guidance is internal. You are locked on Astros, Rockets, and Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Hey, we are Locked On Astros, Locked On Rockets, and Locked On Texans. Thank you for tuning in. I'm H-Town Wheelhouse. To my left, I've got Eric, the man Heisman. To my right, I've got Jackson, the man Gatlin. And I've got Cody Davis, minus one of the hosts from the Texans, but that's okay. He's probably hanging out with Lovey Smith tonight. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you all for coming out tonight. Thank you all for watching live. Cody, you you gotta you gotta start us off. So I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get we, we got our introductions out of the way and everything. Mm-hmm. But we've got obviously locked on Astros here, locked on Rockets here. One half of locked on Texans. So hopefully you've got enough. Hopefully you can cover 100 percent of the ground on what's going on with Lovey Smith because that's the biggest news of all three teams right now. Let, let's face it, the Rockets are eh, the Rockets are chilling at the bottom of the Western Conference right now. They're rebuilding. They're you know the future is bright, but there's not much going on in Rockets territory right now. As, we don't even have an Astro season to talk about yet. Yeah. So, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there in a minute, Eric. But, uh, Cody, kick us off. What's with, with, with Lovey Smith, you know, what was your reaction to the hiring and how do you feel about it so far to this point? I love it. That, that's, that's all I have to say about it because, first and foremost, when you take a look at the Texans, everyone knows what the last two years has been for the Houston Texans. I mean, you saw, I mean, at one point you're up 24 nothing on the eventual champions in the Kansas City Chiefs. Within a blink of an eye, this is an organization who had to hit the reset button on a rebuild that nobody ever thought was going to happen, especially this soon. I mean, you know, you just mentioned the Houston Rockets, and we all know the debacle that took place with James Harden. But one thing I have to say about the Rockets rebuild at least we know it was time for the Rockets to hit the reset button because, you know, when they lost to Golden State the second time around, I, that was the nail in the coffin for the Rockets. And that trade again, that, that trade when they, they traded Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, I said to myself, this is literally like just, you, 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 you're just reaching, hoping to grab something. The nail in the coffin for the Rockets, Cody, I'm going to push back there for a moment. The nail in the coffin for the Rockets was James Harden deciding he wanted nothing else to do with the city of Houston. It, 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 right. it wasn't the loss to Golden State. It was James Harden. I, 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 think it was that, I think it was that second loss to Golden State. But we, we're going to get into that a little bit later. But when you take a look at the Houston Texans side of things, this is a rebuild that should not have that that should not happen. You know, you trade De- DeAndre Hopkins, you give Deshaun Watson a, a, a contract, then within six months of him signing the contract, he wants out because his organization was a joke. I mean, and everyone knows everything that has been going on with this organization from from the outside looking in. When you brought in Lovey Smith, it actually brought a sense of stability to the Houston Texans. Now they're actually starting to get their reputation back looking like an actual franchise. Because let's face it, the Houston Texans going into the 2021 season, they was the laughing stock of the league because there was so much drama and nonsense going on. But you bring in Lovey Smith, who actually has a track record, who is actually a proven coach, or somebody who actually knows how to coach an NFL team, not the David Cully foolishness. The Houston Texans are finally starting to trail in the right direction. And we, we couldn't say that a couple weeks ago. So, Cody, would you say that Lovey Smith is the light at the end of the tunnel or is he the one that's leading you to the light? Because how long do you think Lovey Smith will be here? Is this a short term fix or is this something that will just have to over time mature like fine wine? And as it ages, if it ages well, he stays kind of a short lease. Like, let's see how you do year one, year two, year three. How's that going to go? Um, He's not going to be the guy that's going to lead the Texans to the light at the end of the tunnel. As a matter of fact, you know, Lovey Smith, if I'm not mistaken, he signed the three-year contract. I think he's going to coach two out of those three years, but with Lovey Smith being the head coach, he is the guy that's actually going to put this organization on the right track. So when the next coach comes in, and hopefully in the next two years, this is an organization that could finally start competing for a playoff spot he's actually going to be the one to kind of get this organization back to a little bit close to where it was prior to the whole Deshaun Watson and D-Hop foolishness and all this other stuff. He's going to be the one to kind of help guide this organization back, but he's not going to be the one to actually reap the benefit of laying the foundation for the Houston Texans. 
Now, Cody, when it came to the Rockets and kind of being able to jumpstart their rebuild, right? Obviously, what happened is James Harden was a uh, was superstar player, top five guy mm-hmm. who wanted to force his way out. And thankfully, the Rockets were able to kind of jumpstart their rebuild by by organically tanking that first season without James Harden. But they have this, you know, treasure trove of assets because of the James Harden trade. And I, even though they're kind of, you know, different situations. Deshaun Watson is a guy who obviously, despite the off the court stuff, right? He's still a very talented player, somebody that hopefully the Texans are able to leverage into a a hall similar to what the Rockets got from James Harden. Does that look realistic at this point? What's going on on the Deshaun Watson front? And is there a team out there that might be willing to kind of take that dive and and move a bunch of assets for him? Oh, there's definitely a team, but he has to take care of his off field issues. First. That's the only thing that's holding this whole entire issue with Deshaun Watson back. And I say this almost every time me and my co-host, John, we talk about this Deshaun Watson trade. Yes, he wants to move on and, and, and get his career back and reestablish his image, reestablish his brand. But at the end of the day, the reason why we're still sitting here talking about a Deshaun Watson trade 13 months after he initially <laughs> first decided to request the trade from this organization is because, you know, he has some skeletons in his closet that actually came out in public. So in that aspect, he cannot get mad at nobody but himself. And I know we are sitting here, like I mentioned, 13 months after he first decided he no longer wanted to be a part of the Houston Texans no more. But at the same time, everyone needs to realize that Deshaun Watson is the Texans' biggest asset. As a matter of fact, because he wants out of Houston, because the Texans are in a position where they actually have to trade him, I think he's more valuable now than he was prior to when he signed this contract extension. We thought we was going to have Deshaun Watson for four, five, six years or whatever the case might be. Whatever you get back for Deshaun Watson – That is going to set up your future for the next five to six, seven years. And that is why I'm actually hoping that Nick Casario stand his ground and continue to hold Deshaun Watson until he get what he wants in in a trade back for Deshaun Watson. Because, look, say what you want about this young man off the field. Like I mentioned, has some issues. It's unfortunate. But one thing nobody cannot deny, Deshaun Watson is a God, just is an amazing talent on the field. And prior to these allegations, I think we was going to be able to see one of, if not the biggest trade package in NFL history. And Nick Casario still wants that. So you think that they're going to wait till there's some type of conclusion with the legal process before mm-hmm. there's a trade? Or do you think that he's they're just going to just try to trade him? Best case scenario, you're probably going to have to wait and see how this legal situation plays out because that is the one reason so many teams are kind of pushing back or a little are a little bit hesitant to trade for Deshaun because look I mean hopefully the situation don't become worse than what it already is but we still don't know what this man's future is going to be like on the field so a lot of teams every time they try to go into trade discussions with Deshaun Watson and the Texans they try to get him at a discounting rate I mean look we all human anytime we 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 see a product that we want we try to look for any type of scratches any type of damages that's on this product to see if we could knock the price down just a little bit more and that is what the other 31 teams in the National Football League that has their eyes set on Deshaun that is what they're trying to do but Nick Casario, like I mentioned, he knows the value of Deshaun Watson on the field, and he wants everything back, and he should. Should, should Nick Casario, I mean, at this point, are, is he maybe able to take like a page out of Daryl Morey's textbook? Because oh you, look at what, you look at what Morey was just able to do with Ben Simmons and the fact that everybody was like, oh, he's got to trade him, he's got to trade him, he's got to move him, he's got these amazing offers on the table, and Morey kept saying, no, I'm not moving him, I'm going to stand pat, stand pat. And look at what happened. Daryl Morey stood his ground, waited until the trade deadline. The Brooklyn Nets were just in utter catastrophe <laughs> with James Harden, with Kyrie Irving playing part-time, Kevin Durant being injured. And then Daryl Morey gets his guy, successfully trades for James Harden, not for the first time, but for the <laughs> second time in his career as a general manager. So is that kind of the footing that Nick Casario is on right now where he should hold his ground and not settle for anything less than the optimal package for Deshaun Watson? Yeah, most definitely. The only difference I see from what Daryl Morey just did for to in order to get his hands back on James Harden versus what Nick Casario has going on, you cannot sit here and tell me that Daryl Morey and James Harden did not have no type of communication throughout this whole entire process. I I, I do not believe that. But they're texting terms, buddies. <laughs> but in terms of Nick Casario, there is nobody, at least from my knowledge, there is nobody in the league he is one hundred percent trying to get. 
but he is standing packed and making sure he keeps the Sean because like I keep mentioning, I said it tonight, I said it last week, said it last month, said it last year. You hold on to your biggest trade asset until you get the value for what he is worth. So do you think he plays more than 11 games next year? Because I'm hearing most people saying that there will be some sort of suspension handed down or something, some sort of discipline where even if you get Deshaun Watson at 11 games next year and then the season after that you get him for a full season, 11 games of Deshaun Watson is way better than Mm. no games of Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and the Houston Texans found that out this past season <laughs> as well. That's pretty, part of the reason why they ended up 4-13. and 13. Um, Though, with Deshaun Watson and whether or not he's going to be able to play more than 11 games or whatever the case might be, it all, it's all going to come down to whether or not he gets suspended by the league. Right. And wait, are we thinking he's going to play 11 games for the Texans? No, 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 no. no, no. no. In other words, where he goes. There okay. is probably what less than 1% chance that he ever goes back inside that door for six inning Kirby with the mindset of playing for that organization again. So I, I so I'm sorry has to more access the, to that locker room than Deshaun Watson. I, I'm pretty sure I do. I'm pretty sure I do, you know, and I'm sorry for the people that still thinking, well, maybe, you know, he see the hiring of Lovey Smith and maybe he wants to come back. No, there's a, less than 1% chance that Deshaun Watson puts on that number four Jersey again and light up NRG stadium like he used to. But Deshaun, it's it's going to depend on what the league sees. And two, and most importantly, whenever I think his deposition is going to start next week. It's it's really going to come down to the next, I think it starts next Tuesday. It's really going to come down between what actually happened, how much is he willing to tell, and of course, how much the other people are willing to tell to determine whether or not Deshaun Watson is actually guilty or not guilty for this for this crime. So at this point, Cody, let's end on a bit more of a positive note Please with the do. Texans. <laughs> what, <laughs> I not want to spend a night talking about Deshaun. <laughs> well, well let, let, let's tee you up for a couple things here. Just regale us with the legend that is Davis Mills, and also what do you want to see them do with the number three pick? Actually, with the number three pick, well, first, let me start off with your question about Davis Mills. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, first and foremost, I love watching that young man grow over this past season. I remember the very first day I watched him doing um, OTAs and training camp. I thought to myself, what in the hell do the Houston Texans get themselves into? Because the man looked terrible. But as the months went on, as he finally started to establish himself as the NFL quarterback in this league, especially the last, I think, five games where he threw for almost 1,300 yards. I think he had like 10 10 touchdowns and only like two or three interceptions. You can honestly see that there is a talent, there is promise, there is potential in that young man. And I'm very interested to see him have an entire offseason training as the starting quarterback, have an entire season being the starting quarterback of an organization, I think the Texans have something special in Davis Mills. Now, in terms of the number three pick, I'm actually hoping that the Texans keep that pick and you go out and get one of the top top secondary players in this upcoming draft. And there's no reason for you guys not to bet with betonline.net. I know football season is over. You guys come to the Lockdown Texans to talk about the Texans, hear about the Texans. The Texans are a football team. I got it, but I just told you about this Thursday. We got basketball with the Rockets. The basketball season is now in full steam for both pro and college hoops. BetOnline has all of the latest odds, totals, player performance props, all down to where you can find where the next fire coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs this season. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline has you covered and is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right now to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about every trend and action because BetOnline is where the game starts. 
So speaking of young players, um, let's be, let's kind of uh, switch gears to the Rockets. The Rockets <laughs> have a oh, lot, man. Of, a lot of young players. <laughs> so it's not the um, James Harden's, definitely not the Yao Ming days, not the Stevie franchise days. It's definitely not the Akeem Olajuwon days. What's going on with the Rockets? What do we have to look forward to with the Rockets? Well, right now, I mean, obviously the Rockets are at the, they're at the basement part of a rebuild, right? So it's, it's kind of weird because this Rockets organization is an organization that hasn't actually really dealt with a lot of rebuilding over the last two decades or so, because Mm -hmm. under uh, the owner, Leslie Alexander, they were largely a team that never wanted to truly bottom out. They were a team that wanted to be competitive year in, year out. Leslie Alexander didn't want them to ever truly tank and, you know, work their way to the bottom of the standings to pick up a top, you know, a top draft asset. Now there were a couple times that happened, obviously when they picked up Yao Ming, there were a few times where they did have some seasons derailed due to injury and that kind of thing. But those are, you know, largely factors that you can't really control, unfortunately, uh, you know, as far as the, the league is concerned. And it's kind of, those factors are outside of the organization's control, but past that they've largely been at a competitive organization. So now they're at this point where they have, they are in the post James Harden era and they've jump started their rebuild essentially by spending last season. They navigated away from James Harden. They were able to send him to the Brooklyn Nets, pick up the Nets draft picks for the next decade. And they were able to kind of organically work their way to the bottom of the standings. I say organically, that's the, that's the nice way of saying they sucked a lot and they lost a lot of games and they had the franchise worst record in Rockets history last season. Uh, and they wound up being the number two overall pick in the draft. And that's where they scooped up. Jalen Green, but that wasn't the only prospect that they picked up. They also picked up Alperin Shingun, they picked up Josh Christopher, and they picked up Usman Garuba, four very talented young players with a lot of potential behind every single one of them. And so far this season, we've seen future stars, you know, kind of flashes out of all, all four of those guys, realistically, especially Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun. Jalen Green is going to be the future star of this Houston Rockets team. He has future franchise player written all over him. He is going to be a bona fide scorer. He's already shown those impressive scoring flashes at the NBA level. He is a true three-level scorer. He's a freak athlete. He still needs to kind of build up his NBA body at this point because he is a little wiry. I'm pretty sure I weigh more than Jalen Green at this point, and I'm like <laughs> six feet tall. So if I weigh more than a guy who's six six and who's a professional athlete, that you know he needs to get in the weight room this offseason for sure. But past that, we're seeing him develop and grow. And I think that's the number one point throughout this entire season for the Rockets. And hopefully it's something we'll see a little bit later on. If you stick around for our watch party after the live show here at Social Beer Garden, we're going to have the Houston Rockets up on this big screen. And it'll be really fun to see Jalen Green, Alper, and Shingun, and the rest of the Houston Rockets in action. But we've seen Jalen Green grow a ton this season. We've seen him get better as a decision maker, somebody who can make stuff happen with the ball in his hands. We've seen Alper and Shingun have those jaw-dropping passes every single night. Co- now, Cody doesn't just cover the... Texans. Cody also is an insider covering the Houston Rockets. So Cody understands exactly what I'm talking about when I say that Alper and Shingun has some of the most insane passes you will ever see in a basketball game. And I love it, man. I really do think his passing ability is probably his best attribute as a player. However, Jackson, I am dying to know, you know, you talk about Jalen Green, but I want to ask you about the other guy who is who is sharing the backcourt with Jalen Green, and that's my guy, Kevin Porter Jr. How have have you been impressed by the development that you have seen by with him, especially knowing that, you know, it's been kind of a struggle, especially at the start of the season with him trying to get accustomed to taking on that starting role as a point guard? So look, if you're getting up to speed on the Houston Rockets, here's the 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 quick hitting you know summary on Kevin Porter Jr. He's a guy with a ton of talent who used to play the small forward position for the Cleveland Cavaliers, came to the Houston Rockets after some off-the-court issues, and the Rockets looked at him and saw all the talent that he had and decided, you know what, we think you're a point guard. We think you have such incredible capabilities with the ball in your hands. We're going to give you the rock, and we're going to let you steer this offense. And that's what they did for the back half of last season. And Kevin Porter Jr. put up insane numbers when he finally got the ball in his hands and, you know, effectively became the point guard for this Houston Rockets team. Then they rolled into this season. They had John Wall, a veteran point guard on their roster that they decided, hey, you know what? We want to go in a new direction. We want to give this kid a chance to run the Rockets offense and to, to really establish himself as at a point as a point guard at the NBA level. And he's done just that. I had a show earlier this year where I titled the show, Is Kevin Porter Jr. a Point Guard? I remember that. Because <laughs> I, at this point, I, hadn't, I, I really didn't know because he was trying to establish himself. He was trying to kind of figure it out at the NBA level. And it's tough. Point guard is ar- arguably the hardest position to learn in basketball 
basketball because you are essentially the quarterback on the floor for the rest of the team. You've got to put guys in the right spots to succeed. You've got to call all the plays. You're the guy controlling the tempo, dictating how fast or how slow your team is going. You've got to be aware of so many different moving parts in the offense and even defensively kind of setting the table for your team. And Kevin Porter Jr., has shown those flashes of growth this season. So it, it's been impressive to see because earlier this season, he was averaging you know a crazy amount of turnovers. He looked really rough with the ball in his hands, kind of like he didn't really know what he was doing at times. Mm-hmm. Overthinking it was what I kind of boiled it down to a lot. It looked like he was kind of really thinking every single move that he was trying to make. He was thinking about it. He wasn't just doing it. He wasn't just reacting within the flow of the game. And then he had the injury. He missed about 12 games, came back. And it was when he first came back from missing that, 11, 12 game stretch when you started to see things slow down for him. And he told us in, in, in these press conferences and in these post game interviews that he finally realized, like he went back, looked at some of the tape, looked at some of the film, realized some of the spots that he was missing where he wasn't connecting with his teammates, kind of slowed the game down a little bit and was able to start figuring it out. And then you started to see Kevin Porter Jr. come out on a nightly basis and he racks up three, four, five assists in the first quarter. He's cutting down the turnovers. He's learning how to score in certain situations without having to kind of force things, right? And he stepped up as a clutch player. We've seen Kevin Porter Jr. hit so many clutch shots this season with arguably the number one clutch side of the season had to be Mm. against the Washington Wizards game on the line and Kevin Porter Jr. hits the sidestep step back three-pointer so reminiscent of so many step back three-pointers that we've seen James Harden hit and it was right after he came out of a suspension where he missed a game due to some off-the-court conduct so it was a great way a great kind of motivational win for him and he's built upon that and he's starting to really look like the point guard of the future for this Houston Rockets team. Yeah, this team's exciting. When we when we've been to games, when we've seen them live, Shingun reminds me a lot. And I'm not saying he's the next Akeem Olajuwon, but he's obviously getting some tutoring from the dream because his moves under the basket, his the way he spins, the way he turns, his agility, and to realize that the kid is 19, he's still very raw. It seems like in the front end of his talent, he's got such an upside. Do you see Green and Shingun to be? one of these duos on these teams that, you know, big stars are going, I want to go play with those guys because they've got championship caliber stuff. Well, with, with Alper and Shingun, it's funny you mentioned uh, the Hakeem Olajuwon comparisons and, and whatnot because he actually ha- he's been in the lab working with Dream on some of his offensive repertoire. And it's funny because he came to the NBA and he had this array of post moves. He was so polished for a kid that was 19 years old. There's a reason he walked away as the MVP of the Turkish League because he's already so polished as a player. His post moves, he has all, this array of spins and fakes and turns, and he's so patient. So then to get that and, and already have that established baseline of offensive performance and then to put him in the lab with Hakeem Olajuwon, one of, if not arguably, the greatest big man to have ever played the game of basketball, right? You put him up there with all the all-time greats to get him those reps with Hakeem in the gym. He he even has utilized some like some dream shake type moves. We've got to come up with a name for it for Alper and Shingun because he can't we can't also give him the dream shake. We we've we've the kind Shingun of point, slide or we, the Shingun slide or, or the or the Turkish turnaround there or something like, like that. We've, we've got to get really clever with it here because he absolutely deserves a solid nickname for some of the again crazy moves that he pulls off within a game but the biggest question with Shingun moving forward is he is truly an offensive like gym. He's not, he's never going to struggle at the offensive level. He can create for himself. He creates for his teammates. The playmaking vision is there, but the biggest question with him is going to be what his defense looks like. And he may be limited a little bit by some of his physical skills. So he may not be the fastest or be able to jump the highest or anything like that, but he's a very smart player. Like I think the number one skill set that he has past the scoring, past the playmaking is just he's such a high IQ basketball player. He processes the game so much quicker than any other 19-year-old I've ever seen. When talking about Alperin Shingun with Ryan Holland as a broadcaster for the Houston Rockets, Ryan Holland said, now don't, he said, don't get it twisted, but he said, when you see guys processing the game like that, it makes you think of some of the all-time greats. It makes you think about like LeBron James and how he processed the game so, so quickly at such a young age. And you see flashes of that with Alperin Shingun, how he's reading two, three, four moves ahead of where players are on the floor. Ultimately, for the Houston Rockets and their supposed timeline of success, they want to be relevant again within the next couple of years. They don't want this to be some long, drawn-out rebuild where it takes four or five years and they're in NBA purgatory like the Sacramento Kings are for <laughs> the better part of the last decade. They want to be a team that is going to have a lot of exciting young talent that all starts to kind of blossom at the same time within these next two or three years, which again, when you look at the NBA timeline for a player, 
They have their rookie season. They start to kind of find their footing in their sophomore year. And then it's that junior year campaign where you really start to see players start to take off and you see them start to reach their maximum potential. You can look around the league right now and you see players like Trey Young or John Morant or Luka Doncic who are starting to hit their true ceilings as, as superstar caliber players. So if Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun can get anywhere near some ceiling of their potential in years two and three and start to kind of hit that stride, then this is absolutely going to be a team that other players, other established veterans around the NBA are going to be looking at Houston and thinking, yeah, I could, I want to play there. Like, let's go team up with them because then you've got two young up-and-coming NBA studs and if you're the established veteran, you can look at this Rockets team and think, you know what? I'm the missing piece. I'm what they need to get over the hump. I'm what they need to be back at being a, a you know a championship contender. So I, for me, I don't think this Rockets rebuild is going to take four or five or six years. I think we could be talking about Rockets playoff chances within the next two to three seasons at the latest. I, I, I we have to maybe change gears here a little bit because I want okay, to. Okay, hey, Jackson, Jackson, I'm gonna have to cut you off. Okay, okay. Um, why, um, so why? Why I'm gonna have to be MLB owner. And I've, I've given you 15 minutes, uh, so that's all you get. Uh, so um, you're the Players Association. That's uh, I don't like what you have to say. So we're going to have to move on from this. Uh, so uh, we're going to have to meet again next week. because Next I'm, week. Yeah, next week. Because well, for, for another 15 minutes, or are we going 20 next week? Uh, uh, you're pushing well, it, it, Jackson. Well, you know, it depends. The way the MLB talks are going right now, you'll get 10. Um, they're just kind of regressing. You'll get you'll get ten next week, and then you'll get twenty the next week, and then you'll be back to fifteen the following week. No, last, back and last forth meeting and it was ninety minutes. Then yeah. it went to fifteen minutes. Oh, so what's the net? What's what is the over under on minutes that they're going to meet? So let me find the, the scale MLBPA. factor. Yeah, let's do that. I'm sticking to my New Year's resolution this year, and a part of that is eating better. And thanks to BuiltBar.com, I'm able to do that. Able to snack with some great snacks with the Bill Bar that's covered in 100% real chocolate. So I get that sweet. I get the protein. I don't get the carbs. I don't get the sugar. But I get all of the great flavor and filling. Best of both worlds, I got to tell you. And the best part about Bet Online, you can choose from a lot of different flavors. White cookies and cream. You also have the salted caramel, the mint brownie. And for you coconut lovers who – I got to question your taste buds anyway. They have coconut. They also have the coconut almond. So you get the best of both worlds in terms of treats, in terms of healthy, and they have the best flavors. Go to build.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at build.com. So, you know, here uh, here at here at Locked Out Astros, I mean, Locked On Astros, <laughs> Where, where your team every day, it is very frustrating as baseball fans. Eric and I are chomping at the bit. We're supposed to be talking about spring training and the first reps. Who's the Astros shortstop? Yeah, who's the shortstop? Is Carlos Correa going to remain a Houston Astro? Is Jeremy Pena the answer, the, the second coming? I mean, what is going to happen? Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman, there's so many questions on this team, but there's I feel such like a there's, bright there's, future. There's more questions surrounding the Astros right now than there are about, the, I think, the Rockets and Texans combined, honestly, at this point. Are you sure about that? Hey, I mean, there's a lot of the Texans, Texans questions. got a lot of questions, man. <laughs> Good and bad, and most of it is, oh. Uh, thank you, thank uh, you. Thank is that really a question <laughs> we got to ask about this organization? Well, go ahead, Jackson. <laughs> well, what I wanted to say is, did you guys see the video the other day? I think it was the, the recent UFC outing here in Houston where I think Bregman was walking back through one of the Toyota Center tunnels and somebody was like on camera, but they had the camera like pointed at the ground and somebody like dapped him up and said, hey, you got to get Carlos to come back. And he said, I'm trying, bro. I'm yeah. trying so hard. <laughs> it didn't sound hopeful. It didn't. <laughs> I'm trying. OK, well, um, maybe try harder with the salsa, too. But you know. <laughs> go so, ahead. So at that he point, is like, H-Town yeah. Wheelhouse. You can find him at H-Town Wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I mean, what are we looking at here? Optimistic. Is it going to happen? Is Carlos Correa going to come back or have we already said our goodbyes and are we just kind of past it at this point? Um, I think it all really depends on the CBA talks. If they raise the luxury tax threshold, I can see the Astros going after him. I think that he he fits here. He makes sense here. Uh, but at the same time, um, the Astros have an in-house option with Jeremy Pena. I think they're, they're going to go with a free agent that makes sense. Not a, I mean, I, as much as I would love to have Trevor's story here, he makes a lot of sense for the Houston Astros. He will cost a lot of money. Uh, if you're going to pay for Trevor's story, why not just go ahead and uh, pay for Carlos Correa? 
But I think that you'll see somebody like Anderson Simmons or Jose Iglesias, somebody to just bridge the gap until Jeremy Pena is ready and then save the money for um, Alvarez, save the money for Kyle Tucker. Because uh, <laughs> Juan Soto wants $500 million. <laughs> And so if Juan Soto wants that much, how much is Kyle Tucker going to want once his time's up? No, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, the salaries in MLB are, I think, I, I think they're just kind of a little bit out of control. I think pro sports, too. At some point, you wonder when the dam is going to break on all these salaries. And mm. the problem we have in MLB is that the owners, since the last collective bargaining agreement, their revenue share has gone through the roof where the actually the major leaguers share has actually gone down. And we had been Verlander on the show last night talking to us about that. A former minor leaguer, you know, told us that, you know, he made $9,000 his last year as a fifth year minor league player, $9,000. I can make more than that bagging groceries at HEB in a year. You know what I'm saying? And so I make way more than that as a teacher um, in my day job. That's but, three times you've said that in the past week. Well, hey, I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying it amazes me that these guys play professional baseball these minor leaguers, they get they get sent. Basically, they're working year-round. They're sent off-season workouts. They have to do what the big league clubs want them to do all year, but they get paid pennies on the dollar. The Astros with Carlos Correa, if I can circle back to that, he absolutely fits in Houston. When I talk to people from other cities, who who, who when I go on other podcasts and talk to their host, they're like, Carlos Correa, I don't see him being in any other uniform other than Astros uniform. And one team has popped up lately that was shared with me that I hadn't even thought of. Watch for the California or the Anaheim Angels or the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or whatever you call them. Watch for them to come in and swoop because they like making middle finger moves. They hate getting pitching, and Carlos Correa would be another bat. They paid Pujols that big contract. They've got Trout, Otani. Why wouldn't you want to bring in Correa? Because they have a hole at short. So with the with. The Correa situation, though, I feel like one of the things that I've seen as kind of a recurring theme is you could kind of like cobble together, kind of moneyball him, like as far as the batting is concerned, but it's the fielding that you really just can't replace. And then right. also past that, it's the intangibles, it's the leadership, it's what he provides yes. to that Astros locker room. He, I mean, is can you go ahead and go ahead and say he's the heart and soul of the team at this point? Uh, yeah, the way he stepped up after the whole um, trash can scandal, uh, the way he he just kind of took the whole team. Jose Altuve, he just kind of, he just kind of uh, was quiet about it. The whole team was quiet about it. Even Alex Bregman, he's he was one of the most vocal team leaders on his team. He just kind of stepped back. But the Carlos Correa was the one who took the whole brunt of it. So yes, he kind of became the face of the Astros. And uh, if he's gonna leave, that's gonna take a big, a big leadership role. Because who's the guy that from Valdez? He had issues. Who did they call? Who went up there? It's Carlos uh, Correa. Yeah, yeah. Carlos Correa, mm -hmm. it, whether he, he was asked to go up there or not, he went up there. And so um, he is a big uh, leader on this team. And so, yes, defensively, offensively, in the clubhouse, he's a big leader. So, yes, that's would be a big loss for the team. You know, talent-wise, this team stays consistent. I think talent-wise, this team is still the favorite to win the West, still the favorite to win the ALCS, to go back to another World Series. But what I would like to see is them win a World Series outside of the scandal, outside mm. of the controversy. Mm. Three World Series in five years, and we still are like, okay, why can't you win one past 17? But Carlos Correa, like like Eric said perfectly, that he is, he is the face of this team, and he's taken on the whole H-Town versus everyone. He's taken on that mantra, and you absolutely want to see him here. I don't want to see him in an Angels uniform. I don't think you'll see him as a Yankee. I don't think you'll see him as a Dodger. Um, that would be absolutely horrible. I think I would just stop watching baseball if he became a Yankee because <laughs> they just want to sign everybody. And it's ridiculous. I could just say this. I'm so tired of every time as a free agent, Yankee fan is like, oh, they're going to sign him next. I'm like, they don't, they can't sign everybody. And you know what? They've spent more than any ball club in the last, like, since like 2009. Really? They've got okay. zero championships since 2009. Dang. You know, one thing I love about the city of Houston, you know, with, with all three of our teams, is the fact that this is a city that actually has an African-American coach and for you guys, managers, you know, repping the three major sports. But 
you know, you take a look at the Texans, you know, there's a David Cully foolishness last year. Now, you know, you, you we're hoping to get something out of Lovey Smith. Steven Silas was brought in thinking he about to have a championship team. And then all of a sudden he got the youngest and arguably the worst um, job in the National Basketball Association. But when Dusty Baker came in, no one knew what to expect. Everyone thought that he was just a bridge manager. And within the next two years, you know, you bring in somebody else. How impressive has it been to watch Dusty Baker come in in the midst of a scandal and still keep this team as one of the best teams in the MLB? Well, at first, he was just brought on for that one year to be the, oh, this is a non- uh, He was going to be the bridge coach, Yeah, he was the bridge coach. He Mm -hmm. was a guy that was, he's dealt with controversy before. He dealt with Barry Bonds. He dealt with crap before. And he was the guy that's like, reporters, you shut up. We're not going to talk about it. We're going to move on. We're just going to not deal with it. But the players ended up liking him. And they're like, no, we want to keep him on. The owners liked him and uh, the team just liked him. Now, will he be the long-term answer? No, he's obviously not the long-term answer. I think that uh, Joe Spot is the long-term answer. But for right now, 2022, I think that uh, Dusty Baker will be the answer. But I think that uh, moving on, I think that uh, maybe in 2023, I think Dusty Baker will probably not be the manager, but we'll see. If they win a World Series, who knows what happens? And, you know, I'll say this. I had a lot of critical things to say about Dusty throughout the season. And, I mean, there is no there's no mistaking it. Um, you know, and, I mean, I can't hide from it. It's on video. It's on audio. It is, <laughs> it is forever a we, part we, of it. We've got it, the receipts. We've got over receipts. The place. But, you know, one thing that I've, that I've been willing to do, especially being a part of this podcast since Eric brought me on, is to learn and to watch and to observe and know that I don't have it all figured out. Dusty Baker, for who he is and what he's done to have taken five different teams to the playoffs, and the fact that we're talking about how he has to win a World Series to be considered a Hall of Fame manager, I think is absolutely criminal Mm. because he has done enough. He has been around long enough, and players respond to him, and the players like what he's got. And, you know, he was the one that left Zach Greinke, and for the first time, Zach Greinke said, I feel like the Astros believed in me. And so, yeah, Dusty Baker, very valuable. Um, I think this next year will be a great year. We hope we send them out riding on the sunset with the World Series title because he definitely deserves a ring. He's put in the hard work. At least one of these Houston teams is accomplishing something positive because at the end of the day, <laughs> the Texans are a bit of a dumpster fire. The Rockets are kind of ahead of the Texans. At we least are starting because, to put that fire uh, out, by the way. But, Slowly hey, but surely. Man, it, but we have to play baseball to do that. That's, that's fair, right? I mean, at this point, you guys are kind of stuck in limbo. But, yeah. you know, uh, one of the other things that we have to talk, hear you guys' thoughts about is the Space Cowboys. That was one of the coolest yes. like unveilings ever, and I loved the rebrand. Obviously, Skeeters you know, holds a special place in everybody's hearts, but I really love the rebrand of Space Cowboys. What was y'all's reaction when that dropped? I absolutely loved it. I mean, I know Eric and I were both there at the, at the reveal, and you were actually there when they first unveiled it. And tell us about the players coming out like in the uniforms. What, what was the buzz like in the stadium? Well, I know that there's some, uh, uh, some uh, mixed reaction to the mascot. Um, <laughs> was Orion. So it, it, yeah. it was yeah, the like an alien little... or I didn't, I didn't know what he was. <laughs> he's, space he's a space dog that met the space cowboy. Yeah, he was in rescued space. And wow. They, became they gave him a friends. whole backstory. What is <laughs> yeah, this? He has a backstory. <laughs> is, is there a literature backstory. that I need to read? There is there space, a book? Like, a, apparently so, there's space cowboys but, in some like multiverse or something. Yeah. But I think uh, it kind of fits the culture. They said that it, um, it fits the culture of Houston. Um, the history of Houston is space mm-hmm. and cowboys. So it just, it, 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 I think the crowd overall, they like the idea. There's there's going to be the the crowd that likes the Skeeter's name, and there's going to be the, the crowd that's like, okay, we're okay with the change as long as we have baseball that these guys are going to be the guys that go play for the Houston Astros someday. So we get to watch them now, and we get to interact with them in a, a more – and uh, like a closer environment. So. Yeah, if you if you've never been out to Constellation Field, it is amazing. Mm. The games are great. I mean, the 
the talent is top notch. Now, if there is still a lockout when minor league starts, the 40-man roster guys will not be on the field, will not be playing. But regardless, it doesn't matter. The Astros are actually stacked in the minor leagues. We've talked to several minor leaguers on Locked on Astros, and we've talked to guys that are in Corpus that are just, you know, one step away from getting here to Sugarland. But I love the rebrand. Anybody that tells me that they are so upset because they're a die-in-the-wool Skeeters fan, I want to see how many games you actually attended when they were independent league Mm -hmm. testing out the robo umpires because they did do that before and it was actually pretty seamless um but really like i went to those sugarland skeeters games and there wasn't a whole lot of people there now all of a sudden they're 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 like the new man in town i love the rebrand you embrace you embrace it and let it be known that i was the first to break the story about the Skeeters changed their name to a space theme Hmm. and it came true a year later. And I didn't get any love from Berman, (laughs) from Rome, from McLean. Nobody said (laughs) H.M. Wheelhouse reported it first, but I, you know, find my receipts on that guys. I got you. (laughs) So I have a ultimate question here. Who wins the next championship here? Astros. No, you know what? That's not even fair because the Astros are the, are the one like truly competent organization right now. That's like we we need a handicap over here as far as Texans and Rockets are concerned. Okay, the Rockets need a little bit more time to gear up, and the Texans just need we God need at everything. this point. Like, yeah, exactly. We just oh God, don't don't get me started on this. You know, Texans and championships should not be in the same sentence for a very long. Time. At that point, that's an oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> Texans and championships. Well, at one time, it was realistic. Up oh, twenty-four, nothing. Kansas City. Yeah. I think that game was on January fifth, twenty twenty. I remember right watching before that game. the world yeah. literally went crazy, and <laughs> it was like, man, are they really going to do it? And after they allowed Kansas City to score forty-eight straight points, and Everything just went to hell after that, and we, they had that yet to was recover. that was a turning point. <laughs> that was that reminded me of the Bills Oilers collapse. The yeah, Oilers that, collapse. That, it was at ninety two or ninety three. I want to yeah, say it was ninety three. It was yeah. I, it was I was I was in high school, and we literally went to went to Sunday night church thinking that thinking the Oilers had it wrapped up, mm, mm, and mm. our pastor delivered the message at the end, and we had a really long prayer after that. Because really everybody quick, was sad. Really quick, what is it about <laughs> the city of Houston and just blowing leads? Because it wasn't that long ago. The Rockets. Oh, don't do it. Come three, on, Three, two. <laughs> See, you Jack- got two chances. See, and if that wasn't as bad, the following year, Kevin Durant goes out and they still can't get the job done. Steph Curry, 33 points in the second you know what, Co- you Cody? Don't, I don't. Man, how it, it hurts. How dare hurts. you take the salt and pour it in the wound? <laughs> it's still fresh at this point because ultimately, look, I don't want to hear it because one of the one of the referendums that gets thrown around is, yeah, Steph Curry had the thirty three in the second half. It's because he had the superstars around him that he could put up zero in the first half and then come back and score thirty three in the second half. But my only rebuttal to that: the Rockets were up by I think ten or eleven at halftime, and Steph literally had zero. And they didn't have Kevin Durant. Yeah, and I get it. The Warriors was the Warriors before KD got there. I understand that. I get it. But the fact that they still blew it. Which, which one hurt most to you? I, I think 19 I, hurt more to me than 18 did. No, there, there's no way. Because 18 was the year. 18 was the year. That was the year they were supposed to win the is title. That the, mm-hmm. Is that the Chris Paul hamstring? That's yes, the Chris Paul yes, hamstring. That Chris was Paul the hamstring. year. Because not only was it the Chris Paul hamstring. It was the fact that they had two chances in game six and game seven Mm, to close them mm, out. mm. And in game seven, they had the zero for 27 from three. And the zero for 27 wouldn't have happened if it weren't for one Scott Foster. I will never forgive that man. You can't blame Scott Foster for them missing 27 straight threes. I can blame Scott Foster for waving off the three that James Harden made that was clearly a continuation (laughs) call and would have stopped the drought at about zero for 14. You're right. You're right. right. I know I'm right. So that's one. So what about the other 26 that they missed? Hey, you know how (laughs) – We all know how butterfly effect works here. Cody, come on. He makes the one three, and then history is completely different, and the the next 14 misses never happen. Okay? I don't want to hear it. Okay, Ashton Kutcher. Sometimes they just need to see one go in. You're you're right. You're right, JT. See, this is is what I love. Jackson, we were were riding off into the sunset talking about the Oilers and Texans collapse, and Jackson's like, I made it out safe. And Cody (laughs) said, oh, but do you remember this? I mean, look. Each team, I mean, even even the Astros, I mean, maybe not as big of collapses, but, you know, going to a game seven mm. and oh, losing yeah. to Kendrick, hitting the foul pole or hitting that home run and them beating us on our home stadium. Now, this last year, 
I wasn't at that game. I was. Where? Oh yeah, Eric I was. was. So I was. <laughs> you, can, you can hear. You can Me hear. Me and my girlfriend were there. He, go, he goes. I was. Yeah, so I was. I we was saw that Solaire home there. run. It yeah. was like out of the stadium, and I was just like, oh. See, he was so. So he and I were both at the Albert Pujols home run game, where like mm. lids. The second that ball hit the bat, you heard a you heard a collective gasp in the stadium. You literally heard the ball hit the window and the tracks in that stadium. Albert Pujols, a year after, said it in an interview. He could hear the dirt crunching under his cleats. He asked his players to pinch him in the dugout because he thought he was dreaming. So, yeah, we have the H in Houston does stand for heartache. Um, but I really believe Houston. that, let me tell you, if you're a Houston fan and you've been a Houston fan your whole life, you're to be commended because we've been through the thick and the thin, and there's been a whole lot of thin and been a whole lot of thick. I will tell you, that Braves game, there was a lot of tomahawk chops. There was a lot. It was very. But see, even with that Braves game, I think in that game, you probably felt this in the stadium. I don't know that they ever felt it ever felt like the Astros were ever really. They had a chance. In that game, I, I, I just think the Braves like just beat game them fair seven and square. with uh, in the World Series against the Dodgers. It's probably how the Dodgers felt. In yeah, that game. yeah, exactly. They, they, you knew the Astros were going to win that game in LA. Still, still sweet, still sweet. 17 is a legit title. Well, so here, for, as, as two kind of outsiders looking in, I'm going to leave the voting up to you guys, and maybe we'll get a stalemate draw here. Which organization do you think is going to be relevant again? Or let, we'll say make the playoffs again. We'll set the bar really low here between the Rockets and Rockets. Texans. Who do you think? <laughs> wow. no, I, I already agree, Rockets. Like, I cover both teams, and I can oh, tell sorry. you. sorry. Did I say that too fast? <laughs> yeah, no, I will 100% agree with you. Like, I cover both teams, and, you know, yes, the Rockets, what are they – to enter in tonight's game with their 15 and 41, 42, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere right around there. But you can see. You start to lose track of all the losses. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. I was on ESPN the other day. I was looking for some stat, and I just saw L's just <laughs> down the road. And I was like, it hurt because it wasn't that long ago. All you saw was W's and greens. But, you know, when, when I take a look at the Rockets, they already have their foundation in, in place. And, and JT, you can let me know if you agree with this statement really quick. But I think one of the biggest issues with the Rockets right now, they need to find a way to get consistent. Because you go back to the game they had against the Phoenix Suns last night, they was in that game. You go back to the three games that they played against the Lakers, it literally took LeBron James going GOAT mode in order for them to, in order for them to hold off the Rockets. But when it's a random Monday night, against the San Antonio Spurs. And it, within the second quarter, they're down by 25 to 30 points. It's like, how, why are, are we very, here? They are very inconsistent. And they're all you have to do, do is just take age, a look right? at this week. Yeah, it's the because of, of the Well, the Astros did the same thing. They played really well against the better teams, and mm -hmm. then they kind of played bad against the, the weaker teams. So. Part, part of it is, right, you, you have an understanding, right, if you've played, you know, any level of organized sports, you know, or just even looking at professional sports is there's kind of this idea that players kind of get up for some of the bigger games, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're going up against a better team or one of the top teams in the conference, or you're getting up for a game against a LeBron James Christian or whoever to make a statement against AD. <laughs> exactly. Right. There, there's, there's a bit more of a competitive edge going into some of those games, but I think, you know, you guys hit the nail on the head there chiming in from all across our four microphones. It's the inconsistency is because of the youth. They're a young team. They're trying to find themselves at the NBA level, and that's kind of to be expected. Now, maybe not nearly as much of like the ping-ponging up and down like this. You'd want to see a little bit more consistency mm -hmm. across the board, and that's kind of hopefully what they're going to be able to get over this last one-third of the season after the All-Star break with the addition of a veteran point guard in Dennis Schroeder into the lineup. Mm -hmm. That was their, their big deadline acquisition. It wasn't necessarily a big acquisition at the deadline, but in just a couple games so far, with Dennis Schroeder, he has already proven how impactful he can be as a veteran presence to help kind of corral and, and guide these young guys on the floor because at the point guard position, no disrespect to Kevin Porter Jr., he's done a phenomenal job growing into that role, having a backup point guard who really knows how to rally the troops and get guys going and get them in the right spots to be successful is going to really help this Rockets team to have that on the floor in conjunction with the 30 to 34 minutes a night that KPJ plays. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just to, just to kind of go off what you're what you're talking about here with the Rockets is, you know, bringing in Schroeder just just seems like a phenomenal move for them. But Jalen Green, isn't he heading up 
the dunk contest over the all-star break mm. <laughs> is he, he he is he is the the headliner it's really it's really just between him and obi toppin at this point like okay. th- those are going to be the two finalists like almost guaranteed cole anthony and juan toscano anderson were kind of just like it looks like, like the NBA, it looks like the nba just went around the league and were like hey can you uh like nominate somebody for the dunk contest because we really don't have <laughs> like, like three or four names which is ridiculous because kj martin another player on the houston rockets absolutely should have been in the dunk contest and he even said before the official announcement was made or not mm-hmm. officially made but when it was leaked by shams and Woj, because it was leaked like a week and a half before and they had to pretend wow. like the names weren't out there um kj martin is a guy who would absolutely be electric in the dunk contest just like his dad was at the nba level he is a high flyer he's a more explosive dunker kj martin Kenyon martin senior has said before on social media he's been like kj is a better dunker than i ever was wow and, and I, I disagree with him on that well, you just that Kenyon Martin has um, He's just saying that because that's his son, and he <laughs> loves him. He just proud. Like Kenyon Martin, the Kenyon Martin I grew up with. Oh my, that man has some posters. Cody, you are four years older than me. I grew up with him too. Come on, <laughs> come on. What's man. going on, man? Wow. I grew up with him too. Okay, Young I saw kids. him playing on the Nets. I saw him on the Nuggets. I know exactly what he had in the tank, but. KJ is a different type of leaper, right? Kenyon was a was was a true forward, right? Six ten, six eleven, had some size to him. KJ's a little bit smaller, six six. He's got that wing frame. He's maybe more built to be a high flying dunker than Kenyon Martin Senior was. But at the end of the day, I, I was very upset that the NBA didn't have the cojones to put two Houston Rockets against each other in the dunk contest because that would have been absolutely phenomenal to see. I do think Jalen Green's going to walk away the 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 champion from the I dunk mean, contest. In his though. pregame dunks, it's oh. unreal. <laughs> Just watching the guy warm up one of the things i did want to mention is Giannis. actually after their game here in houston when they were trying to keep that streak alive we were there mm-hmm. after the game he said shingun basically the sky's the limit with this kid mm-hmm. i mean people around the league recognize where this kid can go with this talent yeah, the, the constant feedback from Shingun and Cody can attest to this is, you know, coaches, players across the league, everybody's been so impressed with him. He really is going to be a future star. I don't think there's really any question about that. It's just about how quickly it happens. And that's whether or not the Rockets ultimately decide to make him a starter sooner rather than later. In just his fifth career start in last night's game against the Phoenix Suns, he had the best game of his career. And chances are tonight he's getting moved back to the bench when Christian Wood comes back to the lineup. And I understand Rockets fans are going to be a little upset to see that transpire given how great Shingun played in the last game. But he's a rookie. He's got to wait for his time to come. He'll get his chances over the rest of the season. And he really is going to be a talent at the NBA level. Right, Cody? Yeah, I think the one issue that's probably holding Elper and Shingun back as of right now is the fact that he's still struggling on the defensive side of the ball. And that's part of the reason why when we asked Steven Silas not too long ago, you know, why do you not pair Christian Wood and AP together? Because almost everybody, man, everybody on that team loves playing with AP. And I remember doing training camp, I asked Christian Wood, you know, how is it playing with Alperin Shagun, especially his ability to see the floor? You know, he's a stretch big without a three-point jumper because of his playmaking ability. And Christian Wood, the way he his eyes lit up when I asked him that question, and he went on talking about, you know, just playing with a big who can see the floor and who, could, and who can actually um, create plays for him down on the low block. He loves it. And once Elperin Shagun gets a little bit stronger, he gets smarter on the defensive side of the ball and start getting in foul trouble so much, that is when we're really going to see this, this young man take off. Well, that's 9 o'clock for us. We've gone for an hour straight. Shout out to everybody who was here at the Social Beer Garden who tur- who tuned in live. Hey, we got the cheer. <laughs> yeah, there it is. What's yeah. up? All 600 people at Social Beer Garden cheering for us <laughs> in the came background. came out in droves. Yeah, it was a gigantic turnout. That's going to be it for me, Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked On Rockets. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, all that good stuff. I'm going to throw it to Cody for Locked On Texans so he can plug himself really quick. Yes, sir. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. All right. You can find me at Eric Talk Strohs, and I'm one of the co-hosts at Locked on Astros. Yeah, you can find me at H-Town Wheelhouse on Twitter and Instagram and at Strohs411 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always positive. Always Strohs. Thanks for hanging <laughs> out. Check us out. Locked on Astros, Locked on Rockets, Locked on Texans, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channels. Go Rockets. Go Astros. And always go Texans. Yes, sir. The who? (laughs) (laughs) You are locked on Texans. 
your daily podcast on the Houston Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.